good. Here, here we are in Genesis chapter 17. And just a couple of verses here in your hearing. We'll start with verse 19. And I'm jumping into the narrative. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. And with his seed or his children that will come after him. I'm I'm going to be faithful not just to him, not just to you, but to all of those who will come after him. This is what God said. Now, the Lord has to deal with another matter. And as for Ishmael, I, I heard you. I'll help him. I'll multiply him. I'll make him great. Verse 21. But my covenant, I'm going to establish that with Isaac. Sarah's going to bear him this time next year. My covenant is going to be with Isaac. I'll deal with Ishmael because I'm a good God. But um, my covenant's going to be with Isaac. Amen. And everyone said amen. Uh, before you're seated, please turn to someone close by you and offer some kind remark to them. Some many years ago, upon the conclusion of my Bible reading, I closed that chapter and I said, I'm glad that my whole life has not been recorded in such a fashion for everyone to read. I wonder where all of us would fare if all of our days were chronicled. A little side note, don't tell everything. You're not a Bible character. (laughs) There's no need. The Hall of Faith, which is so termed, comes from Hebrews chapter 11. They, they call those people in that particular chapter men and women who are found in the Hall of Faith. They did great exploits for God and yet come to find out they were flawed in many ways. For instance, 
Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was unique among all world population. He built an ark for the saving of his family, but he also planted a vineyard and became drunk on his own wine, and that result led to a judgment in his own family. Not good. Isaac played favorites with his sons, most ignored his wife. In the end, he created decades-long division among his two sons. Moses, the, the profundity of Moses, he killed an Egyptian, cold blood murder. He also, even more severe, he defied the type of Christ when he struck the rock two times instead of one time. He was supposed to strike the rock, water would come out, then speak to the rock the second time, but he didn't do that. And because of that, he was not allowed to enter into the very place that he spent 40 years trying to find. David and Samson, very different men, but both had character flaws. They're found in the same hall of faith. That same chapter identifies a woman named Rahab, and the Bible describes her in this fashion. By faith... The harlot Rahab. Not much subtlety there. And Abraham, the father of many nations, is perhaps the leading man of the hall. He has been claimed, adopted, identified with by almost everyone, even today. The Jews, of course, claim him as their father, rightly so. The Muslims all claim him as their father. Christianity, Christians of all stripes, referred to him without reservation, Father Abraham, because indeed Abraham was the great man of faith. And I will say these words, though I'm often concerned that they are trite, have a little less impact, but Abraham moved by obedience. He functioned through submission. I, I wish it could just settle on our spirit like a mist, obedience and submission. When there was no evidence to do so, Abraham did what many would not do even if they were holding some evidence of God's provision in their hand. He held nothing. Abraham did it without a single strand of proof. God said, Abraham, come to a place that I will show you. Abraham, Get up, leave your home, leave the comfortable life, your father, your family, your, your mother, your, your brothers, your natural born inheritance, and come to a place, nondescript place. Hebrews 11.10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. But that is a spiritual view. The natural step was not as glamorous. God did not show him everything. God did not... Give him the long view. It was just an offer. And Abraham followed the offer of God without any idea as to where he was going. And I dare, dare say that many folks are less obedient with mountains of proof. While Abraham acted in blind obedience without any evidence. He did not have a single verse of scripture to lean on. Not one Bible verse. But he followed the voice of God. He didn't have this book. The book was being written by his very actions. 
and my faith today is challenged. We need to know all of this wonderful, all these wonderful things about Abraham because the next line is going to cast this great man into an abyss of selfish intent. The great man of faith will falter and in this single action he'll make a huge mistake in the process. He's going to create multi-generational strife. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son, but time was not kind, and they waited past their appointed time of patience, which in itself is the fault line of every believer. Waiting on God is not for the weak of heart. God gave a promise, and then they waited some 25 years for it to come to pass. I just want to pause and let everyone know Once in a while, we just have to declare the Lord that he is faithful. Lest you get weary in well-doing, you need to just pause and say, my God is a faithful God. Because sometimes the trial of your faith is not the enemy at all. Sometimes the trial of your faith is just waiting on the Lord to do what he promised that he would do. God is a faithful God. You ought to say it out of your own heart. He's a faithful God. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. He's never called anybody and failed anyone in the history of mankind. If he ever lets you down and fails you, you'll be the history, you'll be the only one in the history of humanity. God is a faithful God. In fact, the last image of Jesus Christ from John the Revelator goes something like this. Revelation 19. I saw heaven open. Behold, there's a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Faithful and true. Jesus is faithful and true. And when he comes back, when we see him, we're going to see Jesus on a white horse and everyone's going to declare he's faithful and he's true. I don't want to hurt your feelings. Your children are going to lie to you. Your wife's not always going to tell you what you probably don't want her to. People are going to misrepresent things. They're not going to tell you the truth. And not everyone's going to be faithful to you in your life. But the Lord is going to be faithful because that's who he is. He is faithful and he is true. He's never going to let you down. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to cast you aside. His mercy is from generation to generation. We can't even compute how good he is and how faithful he is. In fact, when you were unfaithful, he becomes even greater. This is not confession time, but if it was a confession, we would all have to confess we fail all the time. We become disenchanted, disheartened. We become disenfranchised. We become weak, but God is faithful. And the reason why we can come in here today is because faithful is our God. Great is thy faithfulness. His faithfulness is new. His mercy is brand new every morning. 
I got to pause and declare him because somebody in here needs to know I, you have you you fail, you mess up, but God's faithful. He's welcomed you back. He has his arms open up to you. He's a loving God. He's a great God. He's a merciful God. I'm talking to you. You know who I'm talking to. You know you don't deserve it, but don't get down on yourself and don't beat yourself up and don't be self-condemned because your God is a faithful God. He's saying, come on back. I've been waiting for you the whole time. I've been hungry. I've been yearning for you to come back. Somebody tell me, who can stand before our God? He's a holy God. Who can do that? Nobody can do it, but except he covered you with the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ, and now you can walk in. Walk in. Walk in. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful. He paid the bill. He's faithful. He owns the church. He's faithful. He is the groom. He's faithful. He is patient. He's faithful. He knows where you came from. He's faithful. He's prepared a way where you're going. He's faithful. He knows tomorrow you're going to mess up, but he's faithful because he's already got a way for you. But of course, when he speaks... When he talks, it's, it's received, but time, oh, time. Time is the one commodity you cannot replace. It is. You think you have all the time. And in fact, some, some of us think much younger than we are. I won't go down that road very, very far. Just, to, just to reiterate to you, time has no respect. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it will push you into actions that defy the very will of God. The great stalwarts of the hall of faith will bypass the waiting and take matters into their own hands because there is a mental and emotional battle that attends in the time and in the waiting and in the the space. We're not privy to all their frustration, but I am acquainted with my own frustration. I, I know what's right. I've been mired in the mud of frustration many times. Any witnesses in this place? Do I have a friend? Just frustrated. Kind of feet feel real heavy and something's tying my ankles together. I'm just frustrated. and Walking around the day and trying to figure out what I'm frustrated about. Have you ever been there wondering? You're just kind of, man, what is bothering me today? Is it the dog? <laughs> no. Am I hungry? No, I just ate. What, what is it? Have you ever been there? We're just frustrated. Well, things are not unfolding in the way I thought they were, and certainly not in the time that I thought they were. Promises and visions and dreams and words from a prophet, I love them all, but time is the challenge. 
Moses will give the most difficult command of all, I believe, in the Bible. The children of Israel are pinned in between the approaching Egyptian army and the Red Sea. And Moses says to the people, fear ye not, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. I'll shorten it for you. Stand still, don't be afraid. Stand still, ladies and gentlemen, and don't be afraid. Now, we can do one or the other, but it's difficult to do both. I can stand still and shake and be afraid. (laughs) I don't know if I can do both. Yeah. I'm going to go real slow on plotting because I feel the humanity All of us together. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your great spirit that's that's dividing asunder and that's searching the hearts of the people. Abraham and Sarah have this promise, and about a decade passes or so, and Sarah has an idea to deal with the unanswered promise of God because 10 years is a long time to wait. And she says to her husband, listen, I have a handmaiden, a servant. Her name is Hagar. Can I just tell it one more time, my joke? No relation to Sammy. She says, this is my, anybody? You got to be born in the, are there any 80s kids here? Any, it's the best decade. Sorry. Thank you, Bill. <clears throat> it says, here's my servant, Hagar. And gives her servant, Hagar, to Abraham. And this is the essence of a surrogate son. Ishmael is not of Sarah. Ishmael was born of Hagar, the servant. See, what what Sarah could not produce on her own and being impatient with the aging promise and her own aging body, the servant did for her. The moments following make up a showcase of anger and jealousy and resentment all springing from the bitter waters of disobedience. It began with a good intention, but it was really just circumventing God and the word that was given. From Abraham and from Hagar came Ishmael. But 14 years later, after, after Ishmael was born, Sarah had a baby boy named Isaac. And now the real conflict begins in the home because there are two sons and two mothers and one father. The spoken word was over Sarah, not over Hagar. The absent voice of God has caused many people to negotiate with their future. Because God speaks, you feel the Lord, but then you don't hear anything for a while. And then people start to try to fix things. And God reiterates the promise before Isaac is born. God said this, and God said to Abraham in verse 15 of of Genesis 17, As for Sarai, thy wife, you're not going to call her Sarai anymore, but Sarah, that's going to be her name. I'll bless her. I'll give her a son. I'll bless her. She'll be the mother of nations, kings of people. Abraham fell on his face and laughed in his heart. Man, how can this be? 
I'm about 100 years old and she's 90. It was in that moment that Abraham realized the coming conflict of blessing and promise and provision and rights. He realized, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to happen. It was like a flood of understanding overwhelmed him. And here's the next verse, verse 18. And Abraham recognized, "Uh uh-oh, we're going to have eyes and we're going to have a son from Sarah. What am I going to do with Ishmael? And And he cries out to God, oh, God, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. The realization of what they had done floods Abraham's mind. He knows. He knows. And this rush of knowledge drives Abraham to his knees. He cries out, oh, that Ishmael might have a place. It's a little difficult for our modern English language to encapsulate the severity of the, of the statement. Abraham is not passive now. This is not some benign plea to God. It's not a little prayer. This is a painful and desperate prayer, a cry, oh, if you ever prayed that kind of prayer, it comes from the from your gut, from your belly, from your soul. Oh, God. Oh, God. Please let Ishmael also be included in the blessing. Let Ishmael just have all the provisions of the promise just like Isaac. Abraham said, Lord, please let Ishmael be included with the son born out of obedience. Because he had knew what he had done. The prayer itself, the cry for inclusion. Abraham indicted himself long before God ever pointed it out. This profound man of faith, claimed by the nations of the world, founded in literature and manuscripts and etched as the identification of God. They all knew him. This is how they identified Jehovah. The God of Abraham. That's how people knew who Jehovah was. He was the God of Abraham. This man failed to wait on the Lord and then asked God to excuse his disobedience as if it never happened. And here we are today. God speaks And we acknowledge his divine word. He offers this God-breathed, inspired, infallible book. And we all say yes to it. But when it makes a demand of us, we use our own intentions against his command. I'll help you with it today. This happens when people say, are you ready? I'm going to mess with you now. It's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. Uh Uh-oh. There is a problem right there. It's better to ask for forgiveness. Just go ahead and do it. Because if we ask for permission, we might not be able to do it. And this is the mindset of Christianity in America. Let's just do whatever we want to do. And if it's wrong, we'll just ask God to forgive us. <laughs> Amen. How, how you feeling today? You okay? I don't think so. Because you just said that statement last week, didn't you? You said that very thing. Because that's how some of us have been living in here. We're just doing what we want to do. And then we ask God just to take care of it after we get done. I know I messed up, Lord. I meant to mess up because I know that you'll take care of everything. It's a premeditated, sinful lifestyle. As if God doesn't know what was in our heart even before we uttered it out of our mouth. Now, I'll just pause and say, what did you expect me to say? 
What did you want me to preach? This, this, is, this is, in fact, this is what Jesus said about, about John the Baptist. He said, who did you go looking for? A, 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 a reed shaking in the wind? Oh, no, you didn't look for that. I, I'm subject to this word and to his voice. And I've got to preach his word and speak what he says. And I want all of us to understand there's a challenge to us. And we cannot do what we want to do. I'll I'll get a little stronger. You can't do what you want to do or live how you want to live and be saved. And I'd rather tell you now than for you to get to the end and realize, hey, I've been living out of disobedience all my life. What happened to me? All right. I'm I'm operating in in the appointed office. Oh, that Ishmael may live under your blessing. Instead of living a life that's pleasing to the Lord, we live our lives and then ask God to bless what we've already done. And the challenge is before us today. I submit we must do what he desires. Not to do what he desires is a judgment all his own. God will bless what he ordains. God made a point to separate Isaac from Ishmael. Isaac is born. He's growing. God puts Abraham to the test by telling Abraham to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Go to the mountain. Notice the wording here in your Bible. God said to Abraham, he said in Genesis 22 and 2, Take now thy son, watch this, thine only son, Isaac, whom you love. Get up, take him to Moriah, offer him for a burnt offering. Isaac wasn't the only son. But God was not recognizing anyone else than the promise. Isaac was the only ordained son of Sarah. Sarah will call Hagar the bondwoman. In fact, she gets angry. The bondwoman, get the bondwoman out of here. Paul, several thousand years later, writes, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondwoman, bondmaid, the other by a free woman, but he who is of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was born after the spirit. Because doing what's right is always better than asking God to bless what we're doing. Doing what's right is always better to ask God to bless what we're doing. If you live a life pleasing to God, you don't have to ask him to bless it. Okay. Okay. You know, I knew no one was going to shout. I woke up this morning at 4 o'clock burdened with this word. And I went to my kitchen table and opened up my Bible and said, Well, Lord, if this is what you have. I don't, I'm not a prophet, but I don't, I don't foresee any clapping, shouting, dancing, and running the aisles. Well, we'll, we'll hold out hope. <laughs> I think it's a big challenge for us to get ourselves under control. It's a lot easier to sing all the songs and proclaim Christianity and put a big chain around our neck and carry a 10-pound family Bible and have a cross here and there and put some stickers on your house and your truck and your cars and all the stuff and tell everybody you're a Christian. It's a lot easier to have a proclamation than it is to live it. you got to live it. <laughs> Because the sign is invalid if there's no substance behind it. It's similitude, but it's no substance. 
And if we're going to be a holy people like the Lord wants us to be a holy people, we got to get this in our heart and say, Lord, I want to do whatever I can to please you. This is what Jesus said. Jesus said, and it gives new light to the words, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. First seek his kingdom and try to figure out what he thinks is right. That's what we live. That's how we live. We don't live and just do whatever we're doing and just say, well, we're going to try to bring God in this now. Now let's pray over this. Before we do anything, we ought to ask God, Lord, does this please you? But somebody's walking around saying it's better to ask for forgiveness. And that's a lie. I'm going to tell you what, that's a lie. (laughs) You may be forgiven, I know, but you'll deal with the consequences. Forgive me, you're forgiven, now go to jail. You're forgiven, now pay the bill. Oh, I'm even feeling a little uncomfortable right now. I'm just feeling, because I know you're feeling uncomfortable. We're all feeling very uncomfortable. Lord, I'll tell you what we're dealing with. We're dealing with flesh. Flesh. Not, not the Holy Spirit, flesh. Carnality. And if we're not careful, all the church will become fleshly and carnal. And we'll just live haphazardly any way we want to live. I submit, let's get back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to live a life pleasing to you. Tell me, Lord, show me how I can please you. But instead, what we're doing, saying, hey, listen, do you have a little room for Ishmael? Can we bring Ishmael under the promise? Can Ishmael have a little blessing? Can Ishmael come in? And we make deals trying to hope and hoping that Ishmael can be included. Abraham had a son, Ishmael. He's not ordained of God. He has permission from his wife to step outside of God's plan. (laughs) I think it's a little lust problem. But then after they have the baby, Sarah changes her mind. His wife changes. Have you ever have you ever heard of such? Uh, 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 it's an anomaly. Here, honey, have Hagar. Okay, whatever you say. Then after the baby's born. She's getting uncomfortable. The moment Isaac comes along, she's mad at her husband for doing what she told him to do. She's angry and she's jealous because he did what she suggested. I, I hope this is helping. I'll deal with I'll deal with her in a moment, guys. Let me t- stand your ground, man. Stand your ground. You can stay in the garden. Stand your ground. Don't eat the fruit. She eats the fruit. You don't have to eat the fruit. You know better. Even in the New Testament, the Bible says that 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 Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived, but Adam was deceived. Just say no. I don't want to be there. You can stay in the garden. They'll kick her out. You get to stay. You could have stayed. You don't stand your ground. Kind of wimpy, no backbone, 
You know, whatever, okay, whatever. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Temporary pleasure, lifetime of pain. <laughs> it's in the Bible right here. I'm reading the Bible. She's mad. She's angry. She's bitter. She's frustrated at him. He just did what she suggested to do. So, guys, let me just tell you, have a backbone. Stand up for what's right. You know you shouldn't do that. Even if she suggested it, don't take it. Be a man of God. Take the lead. You're not deceived. You know better. Stand up and say, no, honey, we're going to wait on God. I know it's hard. I know the time is long. But the Lord promised that he's faithful. Our God is faithful. Just hold on, honey. All right, I'll just offer a few suggestions to the ladies. That idea that you got, you're going to be mad later. It's going to come back to anger you. Because you put your, your husband in a bad place. Lots of flesh. If this is your first time to hear me preach... I've got much better sermons, I just want you to know. In fact, there's a score of sermons online you can listen to, and they're wonderful, and they're pleasant, and, they're, and people leave just feeling like they've been with the host of the heavenly angels. Not today. Because the moment you start digging down into real life, and you find out why people are so far in debt, and really knowing that the reason why they're so far in debt is because they have a lot of lust. And they're not comfortable in themselves. And they push one another to do things that's not of God. And all of a the sudden, they leave the presence of the Lord and they're walking in the carnality. And their lives are conflicted. Because I know, years ago, in another church, so don't worry about who it was. She says to him, we really need some time off. Why don't you buy a boat? He says, sounds good to me, crunch. Next thing you know, the only time they can go is on Saturdays and get back late on Sunday. Why aren't you in church? The woman told me to do it. She's mad at him. Our kids would have been saved, but you had to go buy a boat. Never make it to church, never make it to prayer meeting, never on time for God. We have no time for God. Whose idea was it? Oh, man. I just, I, all I can see is like pictures in Facebook Marketplace right now. Fast boat for sale. And here we are, the church, we're, we're trying to be the church, and what, what we're doing, well, well, let's do this, and then, and then we'll just pray that God will bless it anyway. You know the Lord's merciful. We make up all things about the Lord, and we, we create a God that doesn't exist. Instead of following his word, we do what we want to do, and we just say, Lord, how about, is there a little room for Ishmael in our, hey, come on, can't you just bring him in? Oh, God, that Ishmael might live before you, and then all of a sudden, God says, oh, no, 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 you see, we're not doing that. Because Ishmael's not in the plan. He's not part of the design. And it's obvious, listen, for all of you weepy souls, God cares for Ishmael and Hagar. God cares for them. 
but they become bitter at their dismissal and the root of bitterness will rise up and, then, and it exists to this very day. You want world conflict in the Middle East to stop? Well, you can't stop it with government or money or handouts. You know why? Because there's two brothers and they're still fighting. And the reason why they're still fighting is because Abraham listened to his wife and his wife got frustrated with God and said, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. Take Hagar. I want to go to the United Nations and let them know what's going on. Get out of the family argument. God's dealing with his covenant. He's he's talking about his covenant. And Abraham is saying, will you bless my disobedience? That's what really Abraham was saying. Because Abraham wanted God to take what he did and bring it underneath the umbrella of the Lord's blessing and his plan and his covenant. And God's never going to do that. God is not going to be untrue to his own divine will. But I say to you today, Ishmael, in this anagorical sense... He is always more convenient than Isaac. Isaac takes time. Oh, that dreaded word, time. I I know that Ishmael is easier because he's always the work of our flesh, our ingenuity, our thinking. Ishmael is what we do on our own, thinking that it might be able to fit into God's predetermined plan. And herein lies the great fallacy born in that false narrative of intention. When believers think that God is more interested in our intentions intentions than he is in our obedience. I will say to you, God wants your obedience, not your intention. This is what people say. This is a way to excuse ourselves. God knows what's in my heart. Yes, he does. But he's also looking what's in your hands. Romans 8.8, 8. so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. I just, I'm sorry, you can't please him. I wish it was another way, but it's not another way. The only way to please God is to walk after the Spirit. Because if you're not walking after the Spirit, you're not pleasing God. you got to walk after the Spirit every day. got to say, not my will, but thine be done. And if Jesus Christ, which is un- incarnate God, had to deal with his own will in the garden, you're going to have to deal with your own will in your life. From time to time, you're going to have to get down on your knees and say, not my will, but thine be done. If he struggled, we're going to struggle. But you got to get your will in subjection. you got to bind it up. Because your will is going to say, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do all of this and ask God to cover it. Yes. Oh, my. Amen. We have a wonderful evangelist today. I, if I was thinking, this could have gone so much better. I'm, I'm digging here. I'm, I'm digging. I'm, I'm stepping on landmines everywhere because I know what's happening. We, we have a, a little culture, and the culture is good. I like it. I love it. I want to I worship. I want to have a move of God, but I'll tell you what I really want to do. I want to follow the will of God. I don't want to just try to, try to sponge off of the blessings of the Lord. I want to live according to his will. Instead of trying to fit him into all of my little places, instead i got to run into him and say, Lord, I want to do everything that, that you desire and that you are pleased with. <laughs> we have all the good intentions, and this is what's afflicting the American church today, especially the Pentecostal Apostolic Church. That's why the modern church today cannot fully grasp the death of the man named Yuza, who just simply tried to steady the Ark of the Covenant so that it would not fall to the ground. 
He tried to steady it. The oxen stumbled. The cart shifted. The ark is unsteady. It looks like it's going to go down. Yuza puts out his hand to make sure it doesn't fall. Watch. He's trying to keep the ark of God from falling to the ground. But he was never ordained or commissioned to touch it. He might have had good intentions, though I doubt that. I submit it was a lack of honor, lack of awe. He was familiar. But if it was intention, it still doesn't matter. Because good intentions never surpass obedience. And Yuza dies when he touches the ark. And even David is troubled. I'll read it to you. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Yuza. And to this day, that place is called Perez Yuza. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can we even transport it? If anyone touches it, we're going to die. Because David did not know what he should follow. And he said, Listen we got to stop right where we are. we got to go back home. we got to read the book of the law and find out how do we transport this ark. Because obviously I'm doing something wrong and I'm angry today. And you can be angry all you want, David, but God is not going to honor intention. He's going to be true to his word. And you can say, I have good intentions, but that does not surpass obedience to the Lord. Your growth, your emotions, your strength, Your blessing, covering, anointing, it comes through the Lord's pattern, not through your heartfelt desire or intention. It doesn't matter how I feel. It matters what he said. I'm not going to let my emotions get in the way of the word. You don't have a right to hold a grudge. it'll be over the pain will be over soon you don't have a right to have unforgiveness in your heart because he forgave you you can't be forgiven unless you forgive I'm in the word I can preach this in a library and I feel like I am today I just want you to know, you don't have a right to hold a grudge and bitterness and hate in your heart against someone else because what the Lord did for you, he, he, he sponged all that. He cast all that away. He, he brought that out from you. But really, that's not how we feel. We feel we have a right. And we'll talk about our rights because this is America. I just want you to know, this is not America. This, is, this has very little to do with them. In fact, probably nothing to do with America. This is a kingdom. It's not of this world. It challenges you. It, 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 it knows your motives. It understands your thoughts and intents, and the Spirit does its work inside of the house. Here's what we need to do. We need to get back into the Word of the Lord and find out what God says. And then we need to live according to the Word of God. And I'll tell you what will happen to you. It will bring you into perfect peace in your life. It will transform your mind and your home. You'll get up with a clear conscience, thanking God for what He has done. Because you are living according to the blessing and the fear of the Lord. And I know this because the church today wants to ride on what we think is good without knowing what God has said. 
And I wonder if good-hearted people have enabled wrong actions by holding up something that God wanted to fall. It's called Christian enabling. And that's the function of making everyone feel like they're doing good when they're not being obedient to the Lord. I see this all the time. Now, not literally see this, but because I'm not on those sites, but it's the thumbs up to wrong actions and wrong words. And I've read <laughs> that if people don't get a thumbs up, they're offended because no one is supporting what they're doing. I just want you to know, you don't need to support anything that's not of God. Don't lend your affirmation. Here, pastor, don't lend your affirmation to the deeds of disobedience. I'm going I'm to do it again. Do not lend your affirmation to the deeds of disobedience because the Lord's coming back for a spotless bride, for a bride that doesn't have a wrinkle or a spot, for a holy people, for a separated people. I'm not looking to blend in with the world. I'm looking to come out of the world. I'm not looking to get in the world. I'm looking to get out of the world. I don't want to stay in the world. I want to get to heaven. Now, I just want to tell you this. If God ordained that, he'll sustain it. Don't worry. He'll sustain it. It may look like it's dead, but God sustained it. It's not dead if God promised it. It's not dead. It's not over. I don't care how long you've been waiting. You can wait a long time. You can wait a lifetime. But God is going to bring it back. In fact, God is not just going to bring it back. He's in process the whole time. In his own time, he's going to make everything brand new and wonderful. And in his time, he's going to restore and give life and give beauty. And he's going to give you everything that he promised. Because our God is not a liar. God is not a liar. God is true to his word. Let, let men be, be a liar, but let God be true. Every man be a liar, but God is true. And the Lord's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slack, but he's faithful. He's faithful, and he's true to complete everything he said to you. He is faithful. But I got this little war going on in me. And it's the war I'm battling in time. When, Lord, when? When are you going to perform it? And what do I need to do to speed it up? (laughs) Just hold on a second, everybody. God's going to do it in his own time. He's going to come through for you in his own time because the Lord is not in what you're in. He's above all and through all and in you all. And he knows everything from the beginning and the ending. He is the alpha and he is the omega. In fact, he's been the omega before you ever knew that he started. He was at the end waiting for you to come. Do you think that you even came here of your own volition? No, the Bible says that the Lord draws people. You might say, oh, no, pastor, listen, I decided to come. Oh, did you? Maybe the Lord drew you in here just so you could hear about the goodness of God. Now, you might have a decision to leave and never come back, but today the Lord has drawn you. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So I submit to you that the Lord is true, that his word is true. He's a faithful God. He's going to complete what he started. If you need to define me, I'll help you with this. It's John 12, 42. 
if, if you need a little definition about the pastor today, here it is. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they didn't confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They didn't want to lose their job. Here's verse 43. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. I want to tell you, that's not me. I want the praise of God more than the praise of men. If nobody's behind me and I've got the Lord, that's all I need. If nobody cares and Jesus cares, that's all I need. If God before me, who can be against me? you got to rise up one day and say, I'm found the will of God. And I might lose friends and I might lose family, but I'm going to do the will of God. Here's Paul to the church. Here's Paul to the church. I think Paul's helping us today. 1 Thessalonians 2. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Man, you've got the truth. It's not a denominational thing. It's the gospel. The death, the burial, and the resurrection. That's the gospel. It's 1 Corinthians 15. He died, he was buried, he rose again. How do I apply the gospel to my life? I die, that means I repent. Ask God to forgive me. I repent. How am I buried? I'm buried in water, baptism, in the name of Jesus for the remission of my sins. Repentance is like taking a big, it's a bill and it marks out the debt. There's a big, you're forgiven. But remission takes that bill and hides it as if it never existed. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, it takes the debt. It's forgiven, but it's not remitted. When it's remitted, it removes it from your record as if you never had that in your life to begin with. When you're baptized in Jesus' name, he hides your sin from himself. And you'll go back and say, Lord, do you remember that year that I did that and I did that? And the Lord starts flipping through the pages of your life and says, I see the day and I see the time. But all I see are great drops of blood that stain the pages of your life. He can't remember it because he hid it from himself, remitted. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel culminates with the resurrection. Jesus rose from the grave. He rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. This is Romans chapter 6, just as the spirit brought Jesus up from the dead, even so that same spirit is going to quicken you. That's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 19. The Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. The death forgive me. The burial water. The resurrection. Thank you Lord for filling me with your spirit. You have been entrusted With the gift of the ages. God allowed you to know the gospel. And we speak the gospel by authority of the gospel. I like this next line. Here it is. Not as pleasing men, but God. Because I know that not everybody wants the gospel. But I got to please God. I'm going to please the Lord today.
I'm going to talk about his death, his burial, his his resurrection. I'm going to talk about my death, my burial, and the resurrection in Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about his blood. I'm going to talk about his love. I'm going to talk about his grace, his mercy, and his power. I'm going to talk about a God that will give you a promise. He'll wait on that, but you don't have to fear, and you don't have to doubt, and you don't have to get in the way. All you have to do is wait on the Lord because he's faithful and he's true. He's faithful and he's true. And when you see him coming back, he's going to be riding a white horse, and his name shall be called Faithful and True. Faithful and True. He didn't give up on you. He didn't quit on you. He didn't forget his word to you. He didn't forget his word to you. You're just waiting. So why don't we do this while we're waiting? Why don't, just, why don't we just thank him while we're waiting? Because if you don't thank him while you're waiting... You'll, you'll put your foot somewhere, your hand somewhere, your mind, your mouth, your heart, your thoughts where it shouldn't be. But if you'll just stay active praising God while you're waiting on him, it'll be that much sweeter when he finally comes through. So now's the time. Now's the time. I got something for you. I told you a long time ago. I've never let anybody down. Now's the time. Now's the time. Okay, no sad, no sad chords, Roman. Nothing melancholy. Because the Lord is faithful. And I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. He is the keeper. He is my keeper. He is my strength. He is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. when the enemy comes and says well did it happen yet you just say to the enemy hopefully you're not married to her just a bad joke (laughs) that's what Job said you you talk like a foolish woman read in your Bible I I memorize all those verses right away (laughs) when the enemy comes well has it happened yet you should have a, a joy in your, in your heart. And you should just say, not yet, but he's coming. It hasn't yet happened yet. But I'm going to tell you what, I can't wait for the day. I'm just going to rejoice today like it already happened. I'm going to thank God today because I'm not going to get in the way. I ain't creating anything. I'm not going to mess up anything. I know that the Lord has never failed. He's never failed you or you or them. He's never failed my family. He's never, he's never failed anybody. He's faithful. He's true. He's faithful. He's true. the Lord ever failed you he's never failed you so here's what we're going to do in the meantime we're just going to please God we're pleasing God we've been entrusted with the gospel 
And we might not please everybody else, but we're going to please God in the house of the Lord. Just lift up your hand right now and just praise him because he's worthy to be praised. And out of your mouth, say, you're faithful and you're true. Come on, just say, you're faithful, Lord. You're faithful. You ought to have a declaration in your heart. You're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. You're a faithful God. Faithful is he that calleth you who will also do it. He's faithful. you don't have to say it out of your mouth I'll say it for me I'm struggling with my flesh I'm I'm struggling with with my flesh because I know the voice of God I've heard him I know what he said but I'm struggling with my flesh and I'd like to help him out a little bit but I know better than help him out He doesn't need my help. He can do it all by himself. Here's my position. With lifted hands, my position before the Lord is, oh, I magnify you, Lord. I give you praise today. And it's not today, it's going to be tomorrow. If it's not tomorrow, it's going to be on Tuesday. If you don't come on Wednesday, I know he's coming on Friday. If he doesn't come on Friday, I know it's going to be the first of next week. I know God, he's faithful and he's true. I know the Lord's going to heal because he's a healer. I know the Lord's going to provide because his name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I know the Lord in Jehovah's suit can do. He's my better. I know the Lord is my is my high tower because that's his name. I know the Lord is my friend and my heart and my help. We're gonna practice the waiting game. This is the this is the this is what we do in the waiting time until the Lord manifests himself in our lives. So we'll sing whatever you think you should do while you wait. We'll do it every day until the Lord's time has come.